0: Welcome back to Nala Talk, where we discuss updates in the field of genetics and its implementation in clinical settings. I'm Esther, one of the doctors here at Nala Genetics, and we are joined, of course, by Fadli. Hi, Fad.
1: Hi, Esther. How are you?
0: Good. Very good. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good.
0: And ya, ini udah loh. I know it's yeah. very fast. Um, and I guess just continuing our, our conversation from last week, um, you know, with the festivities coming, um, we're going to talk about another important topic that is closely uh, related to food, um, and that is gout. Gout, mungkin Indonesia nya, um, apa asam urat ya, gitu. Murat, jadi, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> asem urat. Jadi, uh, I'm sure everybody has heard about that, gitu, you know, a family member who might be affected by it. But let's just um, describe, um, again, just to refresh our memory, uh, about how, how does gut pre- gut present to Yeah. the gut usually, um, affects the, um, the joints in the lower parts uh, of your legs, Kito, usually the, the big toe at the, the base of the big toe, but it can also affect sort of other joints, uh, in the knees and elbows. Um, and usually, um, is very painful, I think, Uh, From the reports that I heard or patients that I encountered in hospitals, you can't even have like a sheet over the joint. Like it's that painful. Um, As with inflammatory um, uh, arthritis, uh, it's uh, quite swollen, red, um, very uh, difficult and painful to move the joint. And um, it is caused by, well, not really caused, but it is closely linked with um, excess uh, uric acid levels. Uh, in the blood kids, and and how do we get uric acid um, at all elevated uric acid levels, if but from pharmacy point point of
1: view? Yeah, so thanks for that, Esther. So so the thing is that uh, uric acid is something that is uh, normally produced as a byproduct uh, in our body when we uh, what do you call it, uh, digest proteins and other kind of like meats. Uh, uric acid itself is very lowly soluble so at a lower low low concentration it actually is soluble inside our blood uh, system but at increasing uh, the concentration it actually gets precipitated out as crystals so if you can take a look at it it looks like like small diamond uh, conical uh, double-edged kind of thing and these kind of crystals can actually lodge in the uh, joints where there's uh, actually, a, a, so be some pit or a more uh, constricted <laughs> space, right? When it gets lodged, it, it feels like a need, like, like a, a stack of needles that's being pushing through the joints. So that's why it's super painful. And when that happens, the body actually reacts to think that that's actually a foreign object, and then inflammation happens, and even more pain actually happens. That's why this kind of uh, gout flare could be unbearable and it is really painful almost. Yeah, and that's why it it's causes the precipitation of this uh, monosodium uric that actually is, is, is present in the joints. And how does that happen? So two things. When uh, uric acid is usually um, excreted out through our renal system and a little bit from the intestines, and uh, so there can be two causes of over... Uh, uh, concentration of this. is It can be either uh, hyper um, production of uric acid where you eat too much of uric acid uh, producing substance or there's a lower uh, rate of uh, excretion or under excretion of the uric acid where maybe they, that you are genetically predisposed or that you have some problem with your kidneys. So uh, in terms of like uric acid there are, uh, production and excretion, there are several risk factors that actually can uh, uh, increase the predisposition to gout. Like if you are a man like me, if you are <laughs> <laughs> if you are uh, overweight as well, like myself as well, and you're, <laughs> not. <laughs> you're not,
0: overweight. If
1: you are also um, of an older age uh, as well, there's a higher chance because uh, factors like your kidney function could be actually folded lower. And when you're uh, higher in, in terms of like weight, your blood pressure could be higher as well because the causing the uh, uh, kidney function not to be uh, optimal, uh, etc. But interestingly, uh, so we, we as uh, the, the doctors and the medical professionals try to treat this in two ways. So gut treatment is usually classified into two parts. One is the maintenance part and second is actually for treatment part when there's a flare. Uh maintenance. maintenance, usually you focus on the fact that you want to have the uric acid uh, maintained at the low level where they don't crystallize up and treatment is when you want to actually treat the pain instead of like uric acid directly. So we want to talk about genetics, Esther. So we're going to be talking about the maintenance part where we use allopurinol, right? Maybe we talk about yeah. a little bit about allopurinol, Esther. What do you think?
0: Yeah, for sure. Just to add on a little bit to what you said. So yes. Just some interesting, just to to share with the audience, just some interesting um, statistics uh, that has to do with gout and sort of uric acid uh, levels is that interestingly, only a minority of of people with um, hyperuricemia, um, so that is like excess or elevated uh, uric acid levels more than normal, uh, about only 10% of them actually develop gout. But 80 to 90% of patients with gout I are hyperuricemic. So that's why I think there, um, there has been uh, a focus in lowering the uric acid therapy because it's closely linked to um, the excess levels of um, uric acid that is found in, in gout patients. Um, and to also add on to your points, you know, some diet, um, such as red meat, uh, organ meat, such as liver, and then like purine, reached uh, rich seafood like anchovies, sardines, trout, tuna, um, and alcoholic beverages, you know, like as we're um, entering the sort of festive season with the potties and the hampers, uh, even though, you know, with caution because there's or some restriction in place. Um, so, those things can actually increase your uric gas levels. And as you clearly pointed out as well before, um, as you get older um, and with decreasing renal function, um, uh, also, certain medical conditions uh, with that that um, has uh, that have an impact uh, on your uh, comorbidities and your renal function um, can also um, increase the chance of you developing uh, gout. Um, and as well as uh, if you have you know previous uh, uh, surgery to the area or if you have previous like recurrent attacks, um, then that's probably sort of. Um, gives a trajectory that you're more likely to develop that in the future as well. And so, yeah, I'm glad that you bring it home to, to the treatment uh, as well as the genetic uh, implications um, that we can learn today, um, just to sort of give uh, a brief overview of the acute treatment uh, for the flare-ups, uh, which we usually um, encounter in the hospital setting, um, is usually uh, prednisolone or, or like some sort of corticosteroid would be the first line and um, uh, anti-inflammatory uh, such as colchicine or other anti-inflammatory therapies. Um, but yeah, if you have recurrent attacks or you, if you have deposition in some tissue with, a, with uh, as evidenced by TOFI, um, uh, or you have uh, crystal deposited elsewhere, like for example, um, as a kidney stone, then uh, it is maybe time to consider uh, urate-lowering therapy, such as you mentioned, uh, allopurinol. And so maybe can you explain how allopurinol decreases the level of uric acid?
1: Yeah, so so it's actually simply, uh, allopurinol is something that is classified as a cent- centine oxidase inhibitor, or uh, yeah, centine oxidase inhibitor. So, so this uh, means that it actually uh, inhibits an enzyme called xanthine oxidase. Why do we want to inhibit this enzyme? It's because uric acid is actually produced from a chemical that is called xanthines that is present in our body. And by inhibiting this uh, this function of of, uh, of modification, we actually want to lower the level of uric acid inside our body. So basically, allopurinol actually do and attach this to this enzyme. Um, yeah. So that's simply how it works.
0: Mm. And um, off note, uh, with regards to uh, the links to sort of genetic variations, um, can you explain maybe some of the, the genes that are involved uh, that could cause sort of adverse reaction or sort of side effects when starting this allopurinol therapy?
1: Right. So, allopurinol, um, interestingly, the, it, it actually causes a higher incidence of Stevens Johnson syndrome. In Asians, uh, and so also some Af- African Americans at a lower extent. Uh, this has been found to be due to uh, genetic uh, polymorphism that is HLAB5801. So, the presence of this HLAB5801 uh, variation inside our body, uh, which is actually HLAB is actually a type of the uh, white blood cell uh, receptors. Uh, and with this kind of variation, right? the immune system is actually primed to overreact to the fact that allopurinol is inside our body. So when allopurinol is present, there's a high likelihood that this uh, immune system will react in a way that it can actually attack the cells in our body, or they called keratinocytes, that is the lining of most of the surface of our body. So when that happens, and when the keratinocytes are attacked they actually get detached from the, the 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 base of the body and it actually can cause something like of a a person who have gotten a severe burn all over the body so it's like the skin the eyes also the 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 even the tongue it looks like it's been detached so it is a severe and also life threatening side effect and in Interestingly, it's also shown that people who have HLA B fifty eight O one variation, there's uh, especially in Asians, right? There's actually a seven point four percent chance of developing this kind of severe reaction. So it is it is actually quite scary and hmm. uh, something that to be of note, basically. Yeah, so, yeah. No, that's uh, quite a, a
0: significant proportion. I mean. You know, it's not as as high as uh, above 15 or 20 percent, but still, like in a big population, like that's yeah. still, yeah, uh, significant uh, amount um, of of people. And so, um, how do we successfully uh, commence this allopurinol therapy uh, with the intention of uh, uh, of being a prophylactic uh, prophylactic treatment for for gout?
1: So yeah, so allopurinol is still one of the first line or the mainstay of the treatment of uh, chronic uh, gout so we don't want to straightaway uh, prevent or, or avoid the use of allopurinol for all ages. So what we can do is probably is the fact that we can do a, a test uh, to see the presence of HLA-B5801 variation inside the, the patient before we prescribe and this has been increasingly more affordable due to the uh, increasing availability of the test. So. What I would recommend right, for patients who are going to be getting like uh, gout treatment to just do a simple test and just check whether they have this kind of um, uh, uh, variation. And especially, it has been uh, mentioned that the test of hla b 1501 has been cost-effective in a U.S. study uh, for uh, patients who are of Asian as well as uh, African-American descent. Yeah, so why not just mm. test it? Or even uh, just one step further, uh, as an insurance, maybe we can also try to push for preemptive genotyping where we don't only mm. really test for hla or we can also test for other kinds of genes to see if they have any predisposition of adverse drug reaction. And with mm. testing of more than one gene, right, it would be sure to be more cost-effective because you are doing it at one go. And just running the sample at one go and just to test all kinds of enzymes that are uh, responsible for drug uh, uh, metabolism. Yeah Mm,
0: yeah well hopefully with um, as you said you know increasing availability and awareness uh, both in sort of the patient population as well as the doctors who prescribe these medications uh, hopefully we can offer this to patients especially very relevant for Indonesian and Singaporean uh, cohort, um, even that we have uh, like a wide, uh, a big population of Asian people, um, to to make sure that uh, before they start the therapy, um, the information is already available, so we can start it safely. Um, and so, just sort of to recap, that uh, we acknowledge that you know, especially with the, the coming season, you know, we want to sort of watch our diet, especially with regards to uh, our intake of red meat food, um, drinks, and alcoholic beverages, and sugary drinks—you know—that can increase uh, the levels of your acid. Um, that can sort of further um, exacerbate uh, or contribute to development of gout, especially with increasing age. And if you have, if you have other comorbidities that put you at risk, for example, like high blood pressure, obesity, um, chronic kidney disease, um, uh, and diabetes, you know, um, and uh, you, you want to be cautious uh, of these things and have that at the back of your mind. Um, and just in general, I think like, if you eat better, um, exercise, that would, uh, be, uh, that would impact your health rightly. Um, so you're, um, you don't uh, develop um, those nasty diseases, including uh, one of it being um, gout. Um, and uh, we've talked about sort of the, the treatment for acute flare-ups. As well as the maintenance therapy. Um, and you further on um, elaborated about um, the genetic implications or the genetic factors that can impact um, starting uh, allopurinol and, all and um, the risk of um, Steven Johnson or like adverse drug reaction? Do you want to add anything with that?
1: Thank you. You've summed it up uh,
0: perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Perfect. All right. All good. So I hope you learned something new today. Um, and um, Uh, We hope to see you in the next episode of Now Talk. Thanks for joining. Thank you.